The only thing better than grinding all night for your side hustle is your roommate picking you up with Mickey D's breakfast. The perfect pickup deal. There's a deal for every morning at McDonald's. Right now, taste breakfast perfection when you get a warm and savory sausage McMuffin with egg for just $2.50. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. We're going to be learning in Chidusha Rabbeinu Chaim HaLevi, Helchos Tfilin, the first piece. This is on the Rambam, Perak Aleph, Halacha Yud Aleph. Reb Chaim is exploring here the issues surrounding the preparation of the parchment for Tfilin, for Sifrei Torah, for Mezuzos. And uh, even though this is in Hilchos Tfilin, uh, the primary Chiddush that he's going to come out with is, has to do with Mezuzah. And uh, that is that the preparation, the parchment of the Mezuzah is unlike Sifrei Torah and Tfilin. It does not have the same level of Kedusha. So we'll see how he develops that idea. Reb Chaim begins with the Rambam's Psak, Vil shall Sefer Torah, Vuklaf shall Tfilin, O shall Sefer Torah, Tzarech la'abed osan lishman, that the parchment of a Sefer Torah or a Tfilin has to be prepared lishma for the sake of that Sefer Torah or Tfilin. Vim abdan shalol lishman psulin, if it was done na shalol lishma, then it's puzzle. But a mezuzah does not need to be prepared, the parchment, lishma. Now, where did the Rambam get this from? The Rishalmi in Yuma quotes a debate between the Chachamim and Rab ben Gamliel, whether parchment which was prepared uh, for the sake of an amulet, not for the sake of Sifrei Torah, Mezuzos, whether that can be used for a mezuzah. The Chachamim say that it can be used, and Rabbi Shimon Gamliel says it cannot. So uh, the Rambam Paskin liked the Chachamim, and therefore it can be used for a mezuzah. Uh, as opposed to a Sefer Torah, which is clear in Gitin, Daphne, and Dalit, that it needs Ibud Lishma, it has to be prepared Lishma. So therefore the Rambam holds that uh, a parchment which was not prepared Lashem Sefer Torah cannot be used for a Sefer Torah. So those are the sources where the Rambam got this from. Uh, but Reb Chaim says, El but why should a Sefer Torah and a mezuzah be separate? Uh, this that the Yerushalmi says you can use it for a mezuzah and the Bavli says you can't use it for a Sefer Torah, you could just say that uh, it's a machlokas Yerushalmi and Bavli. But uh, the Rambam clearly distinguishes between a Sefer Torah and a mezuzah and that needs to be explained. So what this piece is going to center around explaining why there's a difference between the parchment of a Sefer Torah and tefillin, which has to be prepared l'shem the Sefer Torah or tefillin, as opposed to mezuzah, which does not need that. Reb Chaim begins his analysis with a separate issue. He's going to ask now another question on the Rambam. And he quotes the Gemara in Sanhedrin, Daphnim Zayin. There's a machlokas abaya and rava if somebody sewed a piece of clothing for use of a dead body. Now, if that clothing was actually used on the dead body, it would be Aser Bahana. But here it wasn't used, it was simply prepared in mind to be used for a dead body. So Abaya holds its usr, and the Gemara explains because he holds hazmana milsahi, that preparation is taken into account in halacha, it's important. And the Rava says that this clothing, which was not used, is mutar because Rava holds that hazmana lav milsahi. Now, the Gemara says Abaya learned out his position that preparation is considered significant from Egla Rufa, where the halacha is that once you take the animal down to the uh, nachal, to the river, 
So then automatically it becomes Aser. So you see that preparation is Aser. Uh, Rava said that no, you cannot learn out from Egla Rufa because this is Mishamshin. This is something that is used for a mitzvah, whereas the Egla Rufa is itself Gufa Kedusha. So Rava distinguishes between something which is used for a mitzvah. At that point we say Hazmana Lav Milsahi, that preparation is nothing, it does not Aser it, versus something which is itself Kedusha. There we do say Hazmana and just preparing it makes it automatically usser. Now the Gemara asks from a, a brisa that uh, if someone asks someone to make a, a covering or a bag for their tefillin, so so long as they haven't used it, it's still considered chol and they can use it for whatever they want. So uh, this seems to imply very clearly, like Rava, that has manalav milsihi, that preparation is not anything. So the Gemara answers tanaihi, that it's a machlokas tanoim. So yes, that brisa does uh, agree with Rava, but uh, it's not a problem for Abaya because anyways, it's a machlokas tanoim. And it uh, quotes a machlokas with regard to the batim of the tefillin. So the uh, hide that's used to create the batim, so uh, the Chachamim hold uh, that it's you can use it even though it was not prepared for the tefillin batim. And the Rab Shumim and Gamliel says that no, it's not okay ad abdu lishman. That the, even the or habatim for the batim of the tefillin, that hide has to be produced lishma. So uh, the simple explanation of this would be that the Chachamim who hold that you do not need to prepare it lishma for the batim, that's because they agree with Rava that has mana lav mil, so he preparation is not significant. So even if you did prepare prepare it, it would not be usr, and you don't need to prepare it anything fancy, Lashma. And Rab Shum and Gamliel holds like Abaya that preparation is important, therefore it would be usr if you prepared it for a mitzvah, and therefore there also needs to be specific intention for Lashma, you have to prepare it for the tefillin. Uh, based on this, the Rambam holds that or habatim ibud that you do not need to do lishma for the hide that's used in the batim of the tefillin, and uh, that's because he holds like Rava that has manalav milsahi preparation is not that important. Now, Rav Chaim asks that the Rambam though says that ritzuos the straps of the tefillin do need ibud lishma. So this seems to contradict what he just said, that the batim do not need to be prepared lishma, but the straps do. We should say hazmanalav milsa in both cases. So Reb Chaim explains that the Rambam himself gives us a reason. And he says, or haretzua tzarech ibud lishma, that the straps do need ibud lishma. Aval ha'or shemechapin bo eno tzarech ibud klal afilo asahu matzah kosher. But the hide of the batim does not need to be prepared lishma because even if you didn't do any preparation, it would still be okay. So even if you didn't do the tanning process at all, it would still be okay. And therefore, we cannot obligate you to do the ibud lishma. So the Rambam explains the difference that the batim don't even require ibud at all. So if you go ahead and do it, shalom lishma, it's okay. Whereas the ritzuos do need ibud and therefore they have to be done lishma. So the key difference is whether something requires ibud halachically or not. Now, this is all uh, well and good and makes sense internally. But the Rab Chaim asks that this goes against the Gemara. The Gemara implied that the issue of whether you need to prepare the batim of the tefillin lishma is dependent on the issue of hazmana milsahi or not, whether preparation is considered halachically significant. And the Rambam is saying that it depends on the issue of whether it needs preparation halachically at all or not. 
So how could the Rambam make this halacha dependent on a different set of issues than the Gemara did? So this is Rab Chaim's second question, and he's going to answer this second question at length and then come back to the first one. Now, in order to answer the second question, he goes through a machlokas rishonim about this issue. Tosfos asks uh, from the Gemara in Gitin, Dafnan Dalit, that says that the parchment of a Sefer Torah absolutely must be prepared lishma. Now, we just said Hasmanalav Milsahi, and that's why you're able to prepare the hides of the Batim without Lishma. So, why shouldn't that apply also to the parchment of the Sefer Torah? So, uh, because of this, the Tosos rereads the whole Gemara, and he actually uh, says that it goes the opposite that uh, if Hasmanalav Milsahi, then you would have to do Ibud Lishma to make up for the fact that the preparation alone is not enough. So, uh, that's a whole different way to read this. Uh, we're going to primarily continue with the Rambam's reading of this. And uh, that is another answer. The Balamor and the Ramban, they explain, they differentiate between the parchment of a Sefer Torah and the Batim of the Tefillin in the same way that we saw the Gemara itself differentiates between something which is of use to a mitzvah or it itself is the Kedusha. So in the same way, they say that the parchment of a Sefer Torah is itself Kedusha and therefore that's why it certainly requires Ibud Lishma. It certainly has to be done properly because it itself is Kedusha. As opposed to the bottom of the Tefillin, which are of use to Kedusha, the parchment of the Tefillin is Kedusha, and the bottom houses it, so it's of use for the mitzvah, but it itself is not Kedusha, and therefore it does not require preparation lishma. So uh, that would explain the difference between the bottom of the Tefillin and the parchment of the Sefer Torah. Now, Reb Chaim says that uh, along these same lines, you could say the same idea, but a little bit differently, and that is that the batim of the tefillin are considered themselves kedusha. Unlike the Balamor, who says that they are of use for Kedusha, Rab Chaim says that it might be that they themselves are Kedusha. But still, the Gemara that says that the Machlokas Rab Shemim and Gamliel and the Rabbanan about the Batim of Tefillin has to do with Hazmana Milsa or not, that is according to Abaya. And Abaya had no differentiation between whether it's real Kedusha or whether it's Tashmishe Kedusha, it's of use to Kedusha, because Abaya learned out from Egla Rufa to a case of Tashmishin. So Abaya has no differentiation between Kedusha and Tashmishin, whereas Rava was the one who differentiated. So we could say that the Gemara, which says that the Machlokas Rab Shemim and Gamliel and the Rabbanan about Batim of Tefillin is Abaya, and therefore it says that that is the same Machlokas as Hasmana Milsahi or not. But Rava, who differentiates between Etzem Hakdusha and Tashmishin, so he would say that Rab Shem and Gamliel and the Rabbanan are disagreeing about the Halacha of Lishma, but it actually has nothing whatsoever to do with Hazmana Milsahi. So according to Rab Chaim, this would also explain why the parchment of the Torah must be done Lishma, because it's Etzem Hakdusha, and the Or Habatim would also be considered Etzem Hakdusha, and the Gemara that compared them to Hazmana Milsa, that's just Abaya, who does not differentiate between Etzimach Dusha and the Tashmishin. So the Balamor's differentiation over here is based on this ex- explicit distinction that's made in the Gemara and Sanhedrin. Now, Reb Chaim asks that according to the Balamor, who said that the Batim of the Tefillin are considered Tashmishin, but they're not Kedusha themselves, so he says this is a very strange way to look at it, because the Batim house 
the writing on the parchments. So in that sense, they do serve as Tashmishin for the Kedusha. But in addition to that, the Batim are also a part of the Tefillin. So in that sense, they should certainly be considered Kedusha. How could you argue that the Batim are no better than Tashmishin when they are part of the entire Tefillin? Without the Batim, there's no Tefillin. So in that sense, they are certainly Kedusha themselves. So according to the Balamor, Rab Chaim says you must argue that since the Batim are only sanctified because they have the parchment with the writing on them, so therefore we still view that, even though they're obviously holy themselves, but we still view them as Tashmishin when it comes to the Halacha of Hazmana Milsahi. But Reb Chaim says we still have a problem. The Gemara in Minachos quotes a, an issue, let, can you change hides which were made for the Shalrosh into the Shalyad? So uh, there's a statement from Amrav Yosef, and Rabbi Huda Berebi, that if you have two shalroshes, you can turn them into one of them into a shalyad. But the Gemara asks that we have a, a halacha that you cannot change a shalrosh into a shalyad because the kedusha of the shalrosh is more elevated than the shalyad, so you cannot diminish it by uh, turning it into a shalyad. So the Gemara differentiates between tefillin which were used versus tefillin which were new. If they're new, then you could turn the shalrosh into the shalyad, but if it was used, you couldn't. Uh, now, what about the uh, mandamar hazmana milsahi, that preparation is something? So even if it's new, but still, you already set it aside to be a shalrosh, so there should be a problem. So uh, the Gemara answers, according to that mandamar, it's where you made a condition. Originally, you stipulated that you're going to be able to change it. So since you haven't used it yet, and you stipulated, therefore you're able to change it. Now, Reb Chaim points out that this whole discussion seems to imply that there is no distinction between the writing on the parchment of the Shalrosh and the Shalyad. It's all the same. Because as soon as you write it, it's already Kedusha. So if there was a higher Kedusha to the Shalrosh's writing over the Shalyad, then you could never switch it. It doesn't matter uh, whether you stipulate it. It doesn't matter whether you used it already. As soon as it's written, it's a higher Kedusha. And you cannot switch it. So what does it mean that the Shalrosh is holier than the Shalyad? That must refer to the whole tefillin. It's not just the parchment and the writing, but it's the entirety of the tefillin. And this would prove that the batim, all of the tefillin, is considered Kedusha itself, not Tashmishe Kedusha. So this is Rab Chaim's question on the Bala Ma'or's approach, which differentiates between the writing of the parchment and the batim of the tefillin, saying that the batim are Tashmishin, but Rab Chaim says that from this Gemara, it seems that the Batim are also part of the Kedusha itself. And uh, with regard to Reb Chaim's own approach within the Balamor's approach, uh, that there's a distinction between Rava and Abaya's reading, that Abaya does not differentiate between Kedusha itself and Tashmishin. And the Gemara in Sanhedrin is going according to Abaya when it says Reb Shem ben Gamliel and the Rabbanan, are the same machlokas as Hazmana Milsa, because there's no differentiation between Kedusha and Tashmishin. So uh, Rab Chaim asks, well, there's a Gemara in Menachos Daf Membez, uh, which has a machlokas between Rav and Shmuel, whether the strings of the tefillin have to be twisted lishma, 
for the sake of the tefillin. And the Gemar there says that this is also the same machlokas as the Rabbanan and Rab Shimon ben Gamliel. So uh, according to Rab Chaim's reading that this has to do with Lishma, and it has nothing to do with Hazmana Milsa, it's a local machlokas about whether tefillin requires preparation Lishma. So what does that have to do with tzitzis? How do you compare it to tzitzis? So uh, either way, we have a problem over here how to make sense of this notion that the tefillin do not need to be prepared Lishma, but the parchment does need to be prepared Lishma. Says Rab Chaim, it's exactly this issue that the Rambam is coming to answer by saying that the batim of the tefillin don't even require tanning at all. And because they don't need ibud, that's why you don't need it lishma. Because the Rambam holds, like the Baal Ma'or, that anything which is itself Kedusha certainly requires Lishma. But the Rambam also holds that the entirety of the tefillin, including the batim, is considered Kedusha. So according to the Baal Ma'or's explanation, why shouldn't the batim require Ibud Lishma? Why does the Gemara say that the Machlokas, Rav Shimon ben Gamliel and the Rabbanan, is the same as the Hazmana Milsahi? The answer, says the Rambam, is because it doesn't require Ibud at all. So since it doesn't require Ibud at all, therefore the Machlokas, whether you have to do Ibud Lishma on the Batim, is the same as Hazmana Milsahi. But if it would require Ibud and it would be Kedusha itself, so then it would certainly absolutely require Ibud Lishma, and that's why the parchment of the Sefer Torah and the Tefillin requires Lishma. And uh, the Ritsuos also require Lishma because all of those things are part of the Kedusha and they require Ibud. So when you have those two things together, they absolutely require Ibud Lishma. But in the case of the Batim, there, even though they are certainly part of the Kedusha itself, but since they don't require Ibud, so that therefore becomes dependent on Hazmana Milsahi, and we hold that preparation is Lav Milsa, it's not that important, and therefore it does not need Lishma when it comes to the Batim. So this explains why the Rambam added in a separate reason than the Gemara had said. The Gemara made no mention of this clause that if it doesn't need Ibud to begin with, then it doesn't need Ibud Lishma, but the Rambam is trying to fill in a question over here. Uh, this is one of Reb Chaim's methodologies, which he uses a number of times. He will say that the Rambam sometimes gives reasons which are different than the Gemara because he's coming to answer a question which was left lingering in the Gemara. Uh, this is not one of his methods that became overly popular with his followers, uh, but Rab Chaim himself does sometimes insert the Rambam right into the uh, whole discussion of the Gemara as if there's uh, as if he's continuing the Shakal Vitaria of the Gemara and adding in some answers to remaining questions. Okay, so uh, Reb Chaim wants to argue in the Rambam that he holds that if something is Kedusha, then no matter what, it certainly needs Lishma, even if you hold Hazman Alav Milsahi, and that Tefillin are entirely Kedusha. The reason the uh, Batim of the Tefillin don't need Lishma is because you don't need Ibud on the Batim to begin with. Uh, the problem Reb Chaim raises is that the Gemar and Menachos, which we discussed before, indicates that the issue of whether or not you are able to change a shalrosh into a shalyad 
is dependent on the issue of Hasmana Milsahi. Right? If it's Hasmana Milsa, then you would need to have made a condition to begin with. Uh, if it's Hasmana Lav Milsa, then you could change it. Now, this is talking about tefillin, and still the Gemara implies that it depends on Hasmana Milsa, which would seem to indicate that either Hasmana Milsa applies to Kedusha, like Tosfos holds, or that tefillin themselves, other than the parchment, are not Kedusha, like the Bala Ma'or. Uh, but how could we say in the Rambam that tefillin are entirely Kedusha, even the Batim, and that for Kedusha, Hasmana Milsa, he is always true, uh, when the Gemara in Menacho says that changing from Shal Rosh into a Shal Yad, if you hold that Hasmana Milsahi, then you would need to make a condition. Even if you hold that Hasmana Lav Milsahi, because we are talking about Tefillin, which are Kedusha, you should still need to have made a condition. It doesn't seem to be dependent on that issue. So Reb Chaim suggests, and this uh, is a sort of fine distinction, it's probably the uh, finest distinction that he has in this piece, he says that uh, there's a distinction between the notion of Hasmana Milsahi and Kedusha. Even though we're saying that according to the Balamor and the Rambam, if something is itself Kedusha, it functions the same way as Hasmana Milsa, but that doesn't mean they're literally the same. There's a distinction. If it's Kedusha, it's as if it's Hasmana Milsa, but it's not actually Hasmana Milsa. And the distinction is that even though when something is Kedusha, we say that it needs Ibud Lishma, so in that way it's similar to a case of Hasmana Milsa, but that doesn't mean that every preparation when it comes to Kedusha is Hasmana Milsa. It's only Ibud where the Gemara tells us that Etzem Kedusha requires Lishma, so there we say that there's a distinction. But when it comes to other types of preparation, there we could say that even something which is Kedusha functions the same as Tashmishe Kedusha, and uh, if you hold Hasmana Lav Milsahi, then it's not, we would not be considered significant preparation, even though it's Kedusha. So the issue of turning a Shal Rosh into a Shal Yad, that's not Ibud, that's a different type of preparation. Preparation. You wanted this thing to be a shell rosh, so you had prepared it to be a shell rosh. That's a form of hasmana. But even though it's kedusha, but still, that's not the type of hasmana of preparation that we consider to be in effect for kedusha. And therefore, whether it's a shell yad or a shell rosh, we say hasmana lav milsa. It's only in the category of ibud that we say that if it's etzim kedusha, then it requires lishma. So this would explain the Rambam, even though the Rambam holds that something. Thing which is Kedusha automatically requires Ibud Lishma. It's a limited din when it comes to the preparation of Ibud. Ibud, we say, when it's Kedusha, it's always like Hasmana Milsa. But other forms of preparation, like whether it's a Shalyad or a Shal Rosh, those function differently. And even with regard to Etzim Kedusha, the same Machlokas of Hasmana Milsa or Hasmana Lav Milsa would apply. If you hold Hasmana Milsa, so then it would be much broader and it would apply to all forms of preparation. So this is how Reb Chaim makes sense of the Balamor's approach. And through this, he explains why the Rambam added a new category, which the Gemara made no mention of, the Rambam says that the batim of the tefillin do not need to be prepared lishma because they don't need ibud at all. This was not mentioned in the Gemara, but according to Reb Chaim, it's in order to answer the key question over here, which is if the entirety of tefillin is kedusha, and we say that for kedusha you always need ibud lishma, then how could we say that the batim of the tefillin don't need ibud lishma? So the Rambam answered because they don't need ibud whatsoever. 
And the basic principle, according to this position, would be if it requires ibud and it's etzim kedusha, then it requires ibud lishma. Uh, but if it's not etzim kedusha, or if it doesn't require ibud at all, so then if you do ibud shalol lishma, that would still be kosher. Now Reb Chaim continues and he analyzes the Ramban's shita. And the Ramban explains this whole issue differently than the Balamor. And Reb Chaim's going to say that the Rambam's criteria that if you don't need Ibud at all, then Ibud Shalolishma is kasher, can work not only in the Balamor, but also in the Ramban. But all of this, again, we haven't gotten back to the original issue, the original question, why mezuzah and Sefer Torah are different. We're still making sense of the second question, why the Rambam introduced a new factor into this whole situation of whether or not it requires Ibud. So Reb Chaim continues with the Ramban, who holds that the parchment of Tfilin or Sefer Torah are not considered Etzem Kedusha. Again, the Balamor's whole answer was predicated on the idea that the parchment is Etzem HaKedusha, like the case of Egla Rufa, which was mentioned in the Gemara in Sanhedrin. The Ramban says that no, those are not Etzem Kedusha because there's a basic difference. The Egla Rufa is holy in and of itself. It itself has Kedusha. Whereas the parchment is only holy because of the writing on it. So therefore, we do not consider that to be etzem kedusha, and it does not need lishma automatically. Reb Chaim also has another variant way to get to the same idea, uh, which is he says that Egla Rufa is different from the parchment of Sefer Torah, Tfilin, and Mezuzah, because the Egla Rufa, once it goes down to the river, it's already kedusha right then and there. It's finished. That's it. It's now an Egla Rufa. As opposed to a parchment for a Sefer Torah, Tefillin, Mezuzah, that even once you do the tanning lishma, so it's, a, it's been processed, it's prepared lishma, it's still obviously not a Tefillin or a Sefer Torah until you write on it and you make it into the Tefillin. So uh, that's a distinction between Egla Rufa and parchment. Family. It looks a little different for everyone. For some, it's mom and dad. For others, roommates who feel like family. And for others, it's your significant other, their golfing buddies, your children, a high school soccer team starting lineup, and oh look, they're all taking you up on the offer to stay for dinner, really testing the limits of that phrase, the more the merrier. But no matter where you call home, GEICO makes it easy to bundle and save on home and car insurance. Easier than making three frozen pizzas and assorted frozen veggies into a cohesive meal. We're gathered here today to join Mike and Jill in holy matrimony. So they may file jointly this tax season. And you are? April from Tax Act, the tax filing software with the expert guidance to help you file for less and get more. Works for me. So, Mike, do you take this woman to love, honor, and get her a maximum refund? I do. Jill? Ditto. I now pronounce you married, filing jointly. I always cry at filing status updates. Switch to Tax Act today and start for free. See taxact.com for details. That Egla Rufa is right away, Kedusha. Uh, but uh, parchment, once the tanning process is done, is still only parchment, and therefore it's not etzem kedusha. But according to this shita, now we have to understand, so why does the parchment for a Sefer Torah and for tefillin need to be made lishma? Right, we hold hasman alav milsahi, and if you hold that a parchment is not kedusha, so then it should be the same as all other preparations for a mitzvah, which do not require lishma. 
So Reb Chaim distinguishes between Lishma and Hazmana. Hazmana, milsahi or not, is a question as to whether or not there's Isur in this object which has been set aside for a mitzvah. But it's a question of whether this object is now Usr or not, whether we treat it as if it has Kedusha. But the issue of Lishma is something different. He says Lishma is the essence of what brings Kedusha into this tefillin. Tefillin has to be done lishma in order to create kedusha in this object, which is now going to become tefillin. So lishma is really very different than hazman. It's not a question as to whether we treat it like it's usr or not, but it's a question of creating the kedusha, which comes from having done it lishma. And if it's done shalol lishma, so then it doesn't have that kedusha. It was not done with the proper intention. So even if you hold hazman alav milsahi and preparation in general is nothing, but you still need to make tefillin lishma in order for it to have kedusha. But of course, based on this, the whole din of lishma would only apply to something which has to be done. But if you don't need to do ibud in this situation, so then it doesn't matter whether it's lishma or not, because even if you do ibud shalol lishma, it's no worse than if you hadn't done ibud at all. Lishma only adds sanctity to the processes you're going through in order to create the tefillin. But if you don't need to do that process to begin with, so then it's irrelevant whether it was done lishma. But hazmana, if hazmana milsahi, then it would apply even to things which don't need to be done at all, because hazmana milsahi means that preparation for a mitzvah is significant. So for hazmana, it doesn't really matter whether you need to do it or not, even if you don't need to do it. But you went ahead and did it for a mitzvah, so still hazmana milsa. So now this analysis again would explain why the Rambam introduced the notion of whether you need ibud or not for the batim of the tefillin. Because for things that you need ibud, such as the parchment of the tefillin and the Sefer Torah and the ritzuos of the tefillin, since you require ibud halachically, it has to be done lishma because the lishma is what infuses it with kedusha. If it was not done lishma, it doesn't matter whether hazmana milsahi or not. Even even if you hold that hazman alav milsa, but you are missing the lishma, and therefore there isn't the proper kedusha of these tefillin, of the parchment of the tefillin, of the ritzuos, or of the parchment of the sefer Torah. But that's all with regard to the ibud of the parchment and the ritzuos, which you must do, and therefore you must do them lishma. But when it comes to the ibud of the batim, says the Rambam, you don't need lishma, because you don't even need to do it at all, so the only reason why anyone would require ibud lishma is if they hold hazmana milsa. And that is why the Gemara says that the machlokis, Rab Shema ben Gamliel and the Rabbanan, whether or not the batim, the hide for the batim of the tefillin needs to be prepared lishma, that depends on hazmana milsahi. So again, Reb Chaim's analysis of this Rambam helps understand the whole situation here. The reason why we differentiate between the parchment of the Sefer Torah and the tefillin, that it needs lishma, even though we hold hazmana lav milsahi, so in general you don't need ibud lishma, but when it comes to the parchment, the lishma is a separate aspect. It infuses it with the kedusha, And the same thing applies to the ritzuos. But, says the Rambam, the reason why the Gemara says that the issue of ibud lishma for the batim of the tefillin, not the parchment, the batim, that depends on hazmana milsa, 
Why? Why don't we say that you need lishma because everything needs lishma? The answer is because that doesn't need to be done at all. You don't need ibud. So if you don't need ibud, then you don't have to do it lishma unless you hold hazmana milsa. So uh, this Rambam, the second Rambam that he's trying to explain, now fits both according to the Bala Moor or the Ramban. Now let's return to the first question which we started off with. This has all been a lengthy discussion in order to resolve another statement in the. Rambam, but the key takeaway for Rab Chaim of this second discussion is that for the Rambam, if you need Ibud, then you need Ibud Lishma, but if halachically you do not need Ibud, so then you do not need Ibud Lishma. Now, the question we began with is, why then doesn't mezuzah need ibud lishma on the actual parchment? The Rambam said that tefillin and Sefer Torah need ibud lishma, but not mezuzah. So, to answer this question, uh, Reb Chaim begins uh, by discussing the following. He quotes, the Hagos Maimini says that Parshas Sota, the parchment that the Sota is written on, requires ibud. Now, the Yushalmi says very clearly that the parchment upon which the sota is written is not holy in any way. And the proof for that is because we erase it. And it doesn't make your hands impure, which is always the sign for a holy parchment in the Gemara. So the parchment upon which the sota is written is not holy, and yet it still requires ibud. So why is that? Because ibud is not a requirement because of kedusha, but it's a requirement for anything which is called a sefer. When the Torah describes something as a sefer, it has to have ibud. Uh, it has nothing to do with whether or not it's holy. Now, says Rab Chaim, if so, we have to wonder, why does a sefer Torah, why does a mezuzah, why do these things need ibud? Is it because they're holy? Or is it the same as a sota because it's called a sefer? And the requirement of ibud has nothing to do with their kedusha. So is the ibud related to the kedusha of the sefer Torah, the tefillin and the mezuzah? Or is it because they're called a sefer having nothing to do with their kedusha? So Reb Chaim brings a proof to this from the Gemara in Shabbos, the Gemara there talks about which kinds of parchment you can use for tefillin and mezuzah and whether it's the outer part or the inner part and it legislates all sorts of rules about which parchment you're allowed to write on and the Yushalmi also picks up on this and adds this discussion to a Sefer Torah also that it has to be written on the area of the hair, meaning the outside part. So the Bavli and the Yushalmi are legislating which part, kind of parchment you can use for uh, all of these Sefer Torahs, Philin and Mezuzah. Says Rab Chaim, if the requirement of Ibud comes from the fact that you need a Sefer, then it shouldn't matter at all whether it's the inside part or the outside part or what kind of parchment. Any parchment makes it a Sefer. So if the Gemara says that there's all sorts of halachas as to which parchment can be used, that implies that this halacha of requiring ibud is part of the kedusha of the Sefer Torah and the tefillin. And that's why there's all sorts of rules as to which parchment is acceptable. But it says Rab Chaim that there's a question on this. The Gemara in Menachos explains the halacha of uksavtan. The Torah says you have to write it. So the Gemara says, do we derive uksavtan that you have to write it from a Sefer, that it has to be written like a Sefer, or do we derive it from when Moshe wrote the Torah on the stones that you can even write mezuzah on stone. 
So the Gemara answers that you cannot write it on stones because that was a one-time event and we don't learn out the writing of a mezuzah for all of history from a one-time event. Rather, we learn out the writing of the mezuzah from constant generational events like writing a sefer and therefore it has to be written on parchment, not on a stone. But the clear implication of this Gemara is that even though it says that the mezuzah has to be a sefer, so there's a halacha that it has to be a sefer, which involves parchment, this special limud of uchsavtem we might have learned out from the stones that Moshe wrote, Egzereshava of Ksiva, Ksiva, that it can be written even on stones. Now, says Rab Chaim, once we say that we don't learn out from the stones Moshe used for generational mitzvahs like mezuzah, so what then do we learn out from the Gzereshava of Ksiva Ksiva? What are we deriving from there that we need a Gzereshava? It seems like mezuzah is the same as any other Sefer Torah and fill in all parchments that need to be written on a regular parchment. So what are we learning out from Ksiva Ksiva? So Reb Chaim says that it seems that we don't learn out from the halachas of Stam. The fact that a Sefer Torah, Tzfil, and a mezuzah need parchment does not include Ibud. It just means parchment. But Ibud is a separate halacha, and that's what we learn out from Ksiva Ksiva. In other words, without the Gzereshav of Ksiva Ksiva, we would say that yes, mezuzah has to be written on parchment, but it doesn't need Ibud. But once Ksiva Ksiva comes to tell us that it has to be the same as a Sefer, so we say that not only does it need parchment, but it also needs Ibud. So the implication of this is that the requirement of Ibud from mezuzah is not derived from the fact that it's a holy object like a Sefer Torah and tefillin, but it's derived from this Gzera Shava, which compares mezuzah to a Sefer. So this opens up the possibility that even though when it comes to Sefer Torah and tefillin, it needs Ibud because they're Kedusha, as we saw before from the Gemara and Shabbos, but this Gemara, which says that the requirement of Ibud by mezuzah is derived from a different source. It doesn't come from the same thing as Sefer Torah and Tefillin. So by mezuzah, we still need to understand, does a mezuzah require Ibud because of its Kedusha or because it's a Sefer, having nothing to do with Kedusha? So Reb Chaim analyzes it like this, that when it comes to Sefer Torah, the Torah explicitly says, V'kasav lo es mishneh ha-Torah hazos al-Sefer, that you have to write the Torah on a Sefer. So the requirement for the Sefer Torah to be a Sefer is part of the Hilchos Sefer Torah that the Torah designed for a Sefer Torah. And therefore, it's part of the Kedusha. So anything which goes into making it a Sefer comes from the fact that there's Kedusha here, including the Ibud. So the Ibud is a Halacha, which is related to the Kedusha of a Sefer Torah. On the other hand, by mezuzah, from where do we derive that mezuzah needs ibud? From the fact that it's compared to a sefer in the Gzereshava of Ksiva Ksiva. Now, what is that sefer that it's being compared to? So Tosos and Menachos explains that mezuzah is being compared to the parchment of Sota. So if it's being compared to Sota, and we know Sota does not have Kedusha and it requires Ibud because it's a Sefer. So perhaps Mezuzah too only requires Ibud because it's a Sefer even though it has no Kedusha like Sota. Or we could say once we derive that mezuzah has to be a sefer, so that too is part of the inherent kedusha of the mezuzah, same as the sefer Torah. Anything which makes the mezuzah a sefer is part of its kedusha. So we're unsure. Do we derive mezuzah from sota fully that it's not kedusha? It's just a sefer that needs ibud. Or do we say that once we derive mezuzah from sota? 
anything which goes into making the mezuzah a sefer is part of the kedusha, including the ibud. And now Reb Chaim brings the whole thing full circle and connects everything we've discussed. Uh, if it seemed like this was dragging on, now is the moment when he brings it all together and the full brilliance comes out. Says Reb Chaim, according to the Rambam, we have proof positive that the mezuzah does not need ibud because of kedusha. Because the Rushalmi has a machlokas between Rab Shimon ben Gamliel and the Rabbanan, whether the parchment of the mezuzah requires ibud lishma. But as we know, the Rambam holds that anything which is etzem kedusha certainly requires ibud lishma, and that's not the machlokas Rab Shimon ben Gamliel and the Rabbanan. Rab Shimon ben Gamliel and the Rabbanan only disagreed in a case of the batim of the mezuzah because you don't need ibud there to begin with. That's why it depends on Hasmana Milsa. But in any case of tefillin, Sefer Torah and Mezuzah, where you do halachically need Ibud, then everyone would agree without question that you certainly need Ibud Lishma because it's Etzem Kedusha. So how could the Rabbanan in the Yushalmi hold that the parchment of a Mezuzah, which is both Etzem Kedusha and it requires Ibud halachically, how could they hold that you don't need Ibud Lishma? You certainly need Ibud Lishma. So it must be, says Rab Chaim, that from here the Rambam derived that the parchment of the mezuzah doesn't need ibud because of kedusha. It needs it because it's a sefer like sota, and in order to be a sefer it requires ibud, but it has nothing to do with kedusha. And once it has nothing to do with kedusha, then it's back to the machlokas of Hasmana Milsa. So the reason Rab Shimon ben Gamliel and the Rabbanan disagree by mezuzah, even though the parchment is holy is because the ibud is not necessary because it's holy. Of course, the parchment of mezuzah is kedusha. But the ibud does not come from the din of kedusha. It's unrelated to the kedusha. And therefore, whether the ibud requires lishma depends on the issue of hazmana milsa. And that's a machlokas, Rab Shimon ben Gamliel and the Rabbanan. If the ibud of the parchment of mezuzah came from the fact that it's kedusha, then it would certainly require lishma. But since it's because it's a sefer, like so, Therefore, it does not need Ibud Lishma. And now to come back to the whole question we started with, this now explains the Rambam's psak perfectly. The reason why Sefer Torah and Tfilin require Ibud Lishma on their parchment is because the requirement of Ibud on their parchment comes from their Kedusha. And once it comes from their Kedusha, then you need Lishma. Either like the Bala Ma'or who holds that Etzim Kedusha always needs Hazmana Milsahi, it always needs Lishma, or like the Ramban, but he would agree that Lishma is a separate category than Hazmana. So even if you hold Hazmana Lav Milsahi and you don't need to do other preparations, but Lishma is what gives the whole Kedusha to the object, so that would certainly be necessary. But all of that only applies to Sefer Torah and Tfilin. But Mezuzah, which requires Ibud because it's a Sefer, that's a separate equation. And by mezuzah, we don't say either it's not kedusha or it doesn't need lishma. So even though it requires ibud, but says the Rambam, it doesn't require ibud lishma. And this explains his psakim perfectly. And the Rambam does not hold that the Bavli and the Yerushalmi are disagreeing and the Yerushalmi holds that you don't need ibud lishma. No, the Yerushalmi is saying that mezuzah functions differently than tefillin and Sefer Torah. But even the Yerushalmi would agree Agree that when it comes to Sefer Torah and Tfilin, like it says in Gitin, the parchments certainly need Ibud Lishma. Now, Reb Chaim finishes this very long piece with uh, one more question over here. 
The uh, Tosos and Menachos that we quoted before has a second explanation for where we learn out mezuzah. The first one was sota, as we discussed. The uh, second option, Tosos says, is that we learn out the obligation of ibud by mezuzah from Sefer Torah. Now, this one says Rabbi Chaim actually makes more sense because mezuzah and Sefer Torah both have kedusha, so they're more connected as opposed to learning out from sota, which seems a little bit funny because it does not have kedusha. So learning out from Sefer Torah would make more sense, and that would obviously change the whole equation over here because then mezuzah would require ibud as a reflection of the kedusha it has, same as the Sefer Torah. The whole reason why he argued that mezuzah needs ibud as a reflection of its sefer is because it's derived from sota. And uh, that was how we explained the Rambam's distinction between mezuzah against Sefer Torah and tefillin. But if you learn out mezuzah from Sefer Torah, then they both need ibud because of their kedusha, and uh, the whole distinction would fall away. Uh, says Rab Chaim, but in the Rambam, as we explained, he would seem to have to agree with Tosus's first position, that we derive mezuzah from sota and not from Sefer Torah. So Rab Chaim has a brilliant reading of the Chuvas Rambam in order to explain why the Rambam prefers the first explanation. And this is a Chuva that's quoted in the Kesef Mishnah. The Rambam himself was asked how he could say that the parchment of mezuzah does not need ibud lishma when the Rambam himself told us that if it requires ibud and it's a Sefer Torah and tefillin, then it requires lishma. So the Rambam gives them a bit of a strange answer and he distinguishes that Sefer Torah and tefillin are mitzvahs on the person, as opposed to a mezuzah, he says, which is a mitzvah on the house. You who live in a house, the house is obligated in the mitzvah. Uh, there's a question Rabbi Daniel Habavli wrote to the Rambam son, and he asked, well, obviously, only because you live in the house are you obligated. Houses are not chayiv in mitzvahs. And uh, the Rambam son wrote back. So uh, that issue was raised. Now, Reb Chaim has a separate problem with this answer. He says the reason why you need to do lishma for Sefer Torah, Tfilin, and mezuzah is because of the essential nature of these holy objects, that they have to be done lishma. But it has nothing to do with the nature of the mitzvah, whether it's an obligation on you or on your house. So who cares whether mezuzah is an obligation on you or on your house? It's still fundamentally an object of kedusha and requires lishma. So why is the Rambam answering a question about whether or not you need lishma for mezuzah by talking about the nature of the chiyuv? When lishma has to do with the nature of the object and the kedusha in the object. So Rab Chaim explains that this tshuva of the Rambam is actually referring to the whole issue we just mentioned. Tosos has two explanations in Menachos from where we learn out Ibud of the Mezuzah. Do we learn it out from Sefer Torah or do we learn it out from Sota? So says Rab Chaim, the Rambam in his tshuva is weighing in on whether mezuzah is more similar to Sefer Torah or to Sota, and says the Rambam that it's more similar to Sota because it's not an obligation on you. It's an obligation only when you have a house. And the same thing applies to Sota. It's not an obligation on you. It's an obligation only in certain situations. So mezuzah and Sota make more sense. 
Whereas when you learn out Megillah from Sefer Torah, so then it's actually jumping from an obligation on you, like a Sefer Torah, to something which is not an obligation on you. So according to Rab Chaim, this Rambam is coming to explain why he prefers Tosos' first explanation, which is that we learn out Mezuzah from Sota, even though it seems counterintuitive. Mezuzah seems more related to Sefer Torah than to Sota, but says the Rambam, when you look at the Chiyu, not at the actual object. Yes, mezuzah and Sefer Torah as objects are more closely connected than mezuzah is to the Megillah of a Sota. But when you look at the nature of the Chiyuv instead of the object, so then an argument can be made that mezuzah and Sota are much more similar than Tefillin and Sefer Torah, and therefore it's preferable to derive mezuzah from Sota as opposed to deriving it from a Sefer Torah. And once you say that mezuzah comes from Sota, like the first explanation of Tosvos, so then everything else we said follows from it and it explains the Psaka of the Rambam. So this tshuva of the Rambam is a powerful argument in defense of why the Rambam holds that the first opinion of Tosvos is preferable to the second one, which on the surface seems to be more logical. Now that's the end of this piece in Reb Chaim. Now this is a long and difficult piece. There's a lot of uh, moving parts, so it can be a little convoluted. Uh, so if you're still with me over here, I want to uh, give you a big Yashar Koach and uh, you deserve a lot of credit. Uh, I just want to conclude by summarizing the key points that Reb Chaim makes. Uh, the main conceptual chiluk that he's exploring is whether the requirement for mezuzah to be on a parchment like Sefer Torah and Tefillin reflects the fact that mezuzah has kedusha, or does it come from something unrelated, which is that mezuzah has to be a Sefer. And Reb Chaim believes that this is a key distinction between Sefer Torah and fill-in and uh, this, a number of halachic distinctions come from this. So that's the key conceptual distinction that he's making. Now, along the way, he discusses two difficult Rambams. Uh, one is the central Rambam, which says that the parchment of the mezuzah does not need to be prepared lishma. Uh, so that was what he focused on. And uh, he also discusses at length the Rambam, who explains the reason why the batim of the mezuzah don't need to be prepared lishma is because they don't need ibud at all. So he explain that one at length. And uh, along the way also, he gets involved in a number of other conceptual issues. Uh, one is that tefillin is entirely kedusha, not just the parchment. And uh, he notes that the Balamor seems to disagree with that. The uh, second conceptual issue that he touches on is that etzem ha is different than hazmana. Even though the Balamor says that practically Etzem HaKedusha requires Ibud Lishma, but that's different than if you hold Hazmana Milsahi, and it really only applies to Ibud, as opposed to Hazmana, which applies to a lot more things. So even though the Gemara seems to imply that Kedusha is the equivalent of Hazmana, Reb Chaim says that there are some conceptual differences between those two. And uh, finally, Reb Chaim touches on a final distinction between Hazmana and Lishma, that uh, we shouldn't think that Hazmana Milsahi Sahi is the equivalent of Lishma. Hazmana is a din in when we view something as being an object of a mitzvah with all of the rules that go along with that, while Lishma is the process by which you infuse an object with Kedusha. So those are two different processes. And uh, we'll conclude by noting that Rab Chaim's son, Rab Yitzchak Zev, Rab Velvel, the Grizz, in his Chidusha Grizz Al Harambam, Hilchos Megillah, and Rab Chaim's grandson, Rab Yosef Dov Salavechik, in Shurim Lezecher Abba, Murray 
has a uh, piece devoted to these issues, and uh, both of them continue Reb Chaim's discussion of the distinction between mezuzah and Sefer Torah and Tefillin, and uh, they add Megillah, Megillas Esther, into the mix, and uh, they discuss that Megillas Esther is another category which would follow like mezuzah, uh, that it has to be a Sefer, but it might not have the full Kedusha. So uh, this distinction that Reb Chaim introduced here with regard to mezuzah is something that uh, his son and grandson developed a bit further and included Megillah in that discussion. I'm not saying you have to love football. We all have different likes and dislikes, people. Personally, I'm not a fan of the avocado. I just don't like the mouth, either. But, but if you're someone who loves football, I mean, truly loves it well, my sportsbook app might be the greatest thing that has ever happened to you. Must be 21. Gambling problem? Call, text, or chat on confidential and toll-free helpline at 1-888-532-3500.